This episode is brought to you by Novello Mattresses, where comfort meets innovation, giving you the perfect night's sleep you've been dreaming of. Are you tired of tossing and turning all night, struggling to find a comfortable position? Look no further than Novilla Mattresses, the ultimate sleep solution designed with your comfort in mind. Experience the luxury of a good night's sleep with Novilla's advanced mattress technology. Their mattresses are crafted using the finest materials, providing the perfect balance of support and softness. Whether you prefer a plush feel or a firmer surface, Novilla has a mattress that caters to your unique sleep preference. But what sets Novilla apart from the rest? It's their commitment to innovation and quality. Each mattress is thoughtfully engineered to provide optimal spinal alignment, reducing pressure points, and ensuring you wake up feeling refreshed and rejuvenated every morning. Say goodbye to restless nights and hello to blissful sleep with Novilla's cutting-edge cooling technology. Their mattresses are designed to regulate temperature, keeping you cool and comfortable throughout the night. No more waking up in a sweat, just pure, uninterrupted sleep. Worried about allergens and dust mites? Don't be. Novilla mattresses are hypoallergenic and resistant to common allergens, ensuring a healthier sleep environment for you and your loved ones. And here's the best part. Novilla is committed to affordability. They believe that everyone deserves a great night's sleep without breaking the bank. That's why their mattresses are competitively priced, giving you the best value for your money. But don't just take our word for it. Join the thousands of satisfied customers who have already made the switch to Novilla. Even when your mom comes to my place, just know she's getting a great night's sleep, among other things. <laughs> Experience the difference for yourself and discover what it truly means to sleep like you've never slept before. Using promo code SHWEEZY or the link in our description, you can save 10% off any purchase you make through Novilla directly. Ready to transform your sleep experience? Visit their website today and choose the Novilla mattress that suits your needs. Your journey to a better night's sleep starts now with Novilla mattresses. And a reminder, when you use our links, you directly support this show. When you want it the most, there's no easy way out. When you're ready to go and your heart's left in doubt, don't give up on your faith. Love comes to those who believe it, and that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Hello, and what is going on, my fellow Schwoke Lords? What is up? Welcome yet back to yet another episode of Cancel Sweezy. Continuing Black History Month by telling women to get out of your way in New York City. Only if you're black, though. If you're not black, you can't ask white women to get out of your way. Those are the rules. You know, I didn't make them up. Those are just those are just the Black History Month rules that we all have to. You know, generally follow and whatnot. What's going on, everyone? It's been uh it's been one week since you looked at me. I don't wanna sing bare naked ladies. Uh but yeah, no, it's been a week. Uh yeah, we we finished football season. Thank fucking god, dude, that we football season is now over because one, football memes are the worst memes I've ever seen in my entire life. They get them they get them right at the Super Bowl. But, like, NFL means, like, the Dallas Cowboys are gay. Like, that's your, like, that's the meme, you know? Like, POV, you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you're just like, I'm gay! <laughs> or you're just like, you're like, I'm a, uh, it's like, I play for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not gay no more. I am delivered! And, and like, I'm like, this isn't funny. I'm like, oh, the... 
like a team isn't doing very good for some reason, I'm like, who cares? You know, like I don't know anyone on the team. Like I don't know. I mean, people get way too invested in uh, football players too, and and it's really a problem where people are like. How come these football players aren't being good role models to my children? I'm like, okay, first of all, let, let's get inside. Football players should not be considered role models. They are they they hit people and they move a ball from one place to another. That like that's all they do. They're not role models. Like none of these guys. Like we're like if you if you want to be in the NFL, you got to show that you're a, a a real role model. I'm like, no, you don't. Like half of those guys, you know, as uh, the great Neil Brennan likes to say, uh, when they eventually, you know, start assaulting people, it's like they did football at the wrong time. You know, like they play. Sometimes it's a if they do football at the wrong time, and then you just beat the shit out of a woman. <laughs> you're just like you did football at the wrong time. That's how it is. Uh, but my favorite has been, but one thing that's been interesting about this football season, which I only have to know about because no one will shut the fuck up about it, uh, is all the, the magtards, as I like to call them They're They were really upset with Taylor Swift for just being there. And just the fact that she's kind of like openly a Democrat or whatever. And like it wasn't she's not even no agenda, nothing. Just uh just be like she's the Antichrist, and then they're they're making up shit like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are gonna give birth to the Antichrist. And I'm like, gee, I don't even know how to go about how dumb that sentence you said to me is or whatever. It, it is just I don't know, it is it is very, very dumb. Uh that Taylor Swift's gonna be bringing in the Antichrist. I'm like, I don't I don't know, dude. <laughs> Like that sounds, uh, even though I know that shit's made up, especially, you know, believe in the Bible all you want, but we all know, we can all pretty much guess that if you actually look at, you know, the historical context, everyone was making fucking end time predictions and shit like that. And, uh, you know, when you, when you, uh, make prophecies, uh, it's called just straight up lying a prophecy. Even if you're just like, oh, they made so many right about Jesus, like he would be born, in the Middle East, and you're like, okay, I know there's it's more there's more to it than that. I know, uh, but but yeah, it's really it's really funny. But no, the funniest shit I saw written about it is that Magtards are Trump supporters. They uh, think the NFL is fake, but WWE wrestling is real, and uh, yeah, that pretty much uh, sums up the that entire debate. Put together, I'm like, the NFL's fake, but WWE is real. Now, for those of you who don't know, WWE is wrestling. It's not that gay wrestling you do it. Like, they do it at high schools and shit like that. This is real. Well, this is, I don't even know if we can say, this is like entertaining wrestling, where it's just like, it's basically just like theater for like guys, like especially dumb guys. Like that's what WWE is. And when you know it's fake and you treat it like theater, like it actually is a lot of fun. So I'm not going to like, I'm not talking shit on wrestling. I'm only talking shit on the wrestling fans who think it's real. And you're just like, look at that. There's no way that guy could fake that. I'm like, yeah, he can. It, it's, 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 it's a fucking theater show. That's all it is. It's a theater show <laughs> that you're going to and shit like that. Uh, but it did make me think about though, um, I don't, I could see the NFL being, at least this season, being somewhat fake. 
You know, and I'm not saying it in regards to athletic performance. So I don't want to like disrespect any athletes because I know you guys work hard to, you've had to have worked hard to get to the NFL. It's like you can't not, I mean, it's not like shit's going to happen for, I assume that's how it works. Like maybe your parents were a professional athlete and they might want to recruit you because you have the same genetics and shit like that. But like, but you know, I don't want to say anything about like an an athlete's performance or whatever because, uh, I, I'm not the expert there. What I what I can say though is I do know about like TV and how like and you know because it's just more of like uh, uh, public relations and shit like that. What where it comes down to, and you know the idea that Taylor Swift started going to more Chiefs games because she started dating a guy on the on the team, and then uh, and then they make it to the Super Bowl and then win the Super Bowl uh, because more people are tuning in watching Taylor Swift at these games. And so that means more viewers, which means since more viewers are going to be coming in, that means they can charge advertisers more. And, uh, you know, it's just that big circle of capitalism, you know? So, like, you know, I couldn't see, like, hey, Taylor Swift just being at the game uh, increases our numbers. And so I could see them, like, we should keep this going. That way more people are watching, and that means higher dollar amounts for advertise like when the chiefs play there's gonna be a higher dollar amount for advertisers you know and that you know i think that would make sense but um like i said i don't know the ins and outs of the nfl i can't really tell you but i mean like you could put those two together but i think most people think they're doing like it's fake because taylor swift has like a liberal agenda that she's trying to like get through and uh and people think it's you know the the woke media the fake news are c- coming after coming after they're using taylor swift to to make sure donald trump doesn't get elected again i'm like shut up dude I'm like you know not everything's that big of a conspiracy theory i'm like you know people would actually believe you what i said if you said that's the reason why it's fake is because uh it increases tv viewership you know and the advertising you know all that stuff so honestly that if you use that argument, you have a point. Using your like liberal agenda talking points, like that's not that's not a good argument, you know, because uh I, I feel like a majority of football fans are not liberals. I'm just making a making a guess here. Uh I don't think uh artistic guys like me are like are excited for the Super Bowl, you know. I'm just like fuck that Usher. Fuck that, dude. I made I made uh, kids at school watch the Billy Joe Armstrong meltdown when like they cut his, their set short to, for Usher, and I'm like, this is how I feel. <laughs> That's how I felt watching that thing. I don't know. Yeah, Super Bowl's been very black. The halftime shows have been very black. I think they need to... Actually, I'm not going to comment on that. I don't know what the best idea is. I don't, I don't mind it. I think they're good art. I, don't, I just like... I don't want to watch fucking Usher, though, dude. Like, The weekend's cool. I like him. Uh, the Dre, Snoop, Eminem year was cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's my thought. I've also been watching uh, the X-Men animated series because I think X-Men 97 is coming out. So I'm just kind of, you know, going through all the good episodes, checking them out. And uh, I I discovered something that will literally ruin all of your days. Uh, this, whatever day you're listening to this on, your day is about to be ruined. And I'm just going to tell you right now. Uh, in X-Men 97, uh, they took away uh, Rogue's, as the kids say, yacht. Uh, they took away her booty, her cake, as I would like to say. They took away 
rogues cake. And uh, I got to say, I'm not happy about it, Disney. What the fuck are you doing, Disney, where you're taking the cake away from Rogue, okay? You know, you you feed us poison, so we buy your cures while you suppress our medicine, Disney. Uh, bring back Rogue's yacht. That is my new... That is my new... Uh, that would be a good... Uh, was it charity? Was it my social... Uh, what, are, what do you call it? Uh, uh, social justice warriors, uh, you know, a uh, activist. That's my activist uh, stuff. I'm like, stop making cartoon women not hot, okay? We want... You can make... The, no... I, ladies, if you're comparing your bodies to cartoons, you should see a therapist, okay? Don't, don't be... You know, because, like, I guess their argument is, like, we don't want body dysmorphia coming into girls and stuff like that. But girls, just don't compare yourselves to compare yourselves to real women that exist. The photoshopped ones. Don't don't compare yourselves to cartoons because uh we make cartoons hot on purpose. That's you know that's that's the whole reason uh why we do anything. And the fact that Rogue, who like many others, awoke something in me when I was younger uh, awake something in me right now, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm watching cartoons. This, that's even, that's even more sad that I'm doing that, but, uh, we got to get rogue off the Ozempic Disney. Uh, you can't be doing that. What, what's going to happen when we start casting a new rogue in live action? Who, who are you going to hire? Rosie O'Donnell to play rogue? We, none of us want that. Okay. We need a hot rogue. Southern goth Hot. That's, that's all that matters. That's all you have to do. She can be black too. I don't care as long as she's hot, you know. And also give her her yacht back. Okay, you know. We need. We. I need this Disney. <laughs> I need this. Okay. Please. I need this. Okay. Uh, but no. I'm also like very curious uh, because eventually, uh, or was it? Because the brownies. So we're we all know that the X Men are coming into the MCU and. We're assuming they're going to do some sort of, like, multiverse with the old Fox X-Men, like Patrick Stewart, and then we're going to have, like, a whole new mutant thing going on here, and that's when Marvel's really going to have their comeback because uh, I think uh, they need to start introducing... Because my thoughts are, like, they need to start introducing new characters. So it's like... For me, it's like if, you know, Doom... You know, Doctor Doom needs to just enter the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, the Fantastic Four, they're coming. They're coming. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you know, like with the X-Men, I'm like, we got to have a hot rogue, okay? You know what? The thicker, the better. You know, that's, you know. Uh, Here's something to think about. Okay? Uh, I'm also curious how they're going to adapt racism in the 60s, uh, which is what the X-Men are. It's a metaphor for racism in the 60s. If you haven't read anything about civil rights, uh, at least in the United States, go for it, because that'll probably be your lord and savior. Uh, but yeah, it's supposed to do that. But by the time, because it's like we're in the 2020 something now, and I don't need, and it's honestly, it could make a lot of sense for them to do like a time jump, you know, and just do make, you know, all these movies are in the future, but it's also still kind of looks like the past, you know? And then like you also have uh, Magneto's like Holocaust origins, which. The more time passes, the harder it is to pull out. I guess the, all they can do is really be like, I guess he ages slowly because uh, the Earth's magnetism or something. You know, that would make sense. But uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I would look forward to like a younger Magneto and Professor X, you know. 
Uh, I feel like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are a little too old. Even probably, I don't even know back then if they were, but now they're definitely too old. Uh, but I'd like, I still want to see them in the roles though, because they're they're so rad about it. Like, I don't know if they're how a- comically accurate. You know, those movies weren't super accurate, and they really wanted to take some liberties with character looks and stuff like that. But you know, I feel like it was more like you liked it because it was Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen versus like accurate depictions of the character. But they both did. You know, it's like Heath Ledger's, like not really the Joker from the stories, but it's a great interpretation, you know, and stuff like that. <sighs> but uh, anyways, though, uh, make sure you're checking out my music under Sweezy. That's wherever you, you get your music at. It's going to be under Sweezy. Uh, that's me, uh, social media at the Sweezy as well. Make sure you're going over there and uh, following uh, following little uh, daddy over here. Daddy. And uh, follow daddy and... Then you get to see what I'm up to and all the cool shit that I do. Uh, we got a Patreon page, Cash App, and PayPal. All significantly great ways to say thank you for being a friend and uh, to financially support the show in any way possible. Uh, it's all all great ways uh, for you to help. Uh, but make sure you do all the free shit if you're listening to the show on an audio platform. Go check out our YouTube page because we are posting stuff over there all the time. And uh, we would love for you to at least be subscribed over there and leave us comments. You know, leaving comments is a great way to support a show and liking and subscribing and all that stuff. But if you're on the audio platform, obviously, uh, leave us a review and give us a 5, 4, 3, 2, or 1 star rating. So, uh, well, damn, Jackie, I can't control the weather. So uh, let's just jump into previous week right now. What is previous week right now, you may be asking? Well, we're just going over all the news I saw last week uh, that I have decided to jump into right now so uh let's just jump into it this is from the roy's report uh exclusive open letter to mike bickle from alleged victim tammy woods last week a michigan woman came forward with a bombshell story accusing international house of prayer founder mike bickle of sexually abusing her beginning when she was 14 now that woman identified by her maiden name tammy woods has released the following letter addressed to mike and diane bickle Woods said she wrote the letter on January 30th after realizing she could no longer keep the alleged abuse secret. Woods told the Roy's report that she never sent the letter, but the process of writing it was cathartic and eventually helped her come forward to her pastor's lawyer, Bose Chivinagen police in the Kansas City Star. Woods' sister contacted the Roy's report this morning, asking if we would publish the letter showing her sister's heart and her appeal to make things right after confirming with Woods that was her wish. We agreed. So this is on January 30th. Mike Bickle, um, if you're watching this, I want you to know, uh, probably the title of the highlights being like, uh, Mike Bickle, please watch this video. Uh, this is This is the part for you. I'm going to read this letter to you. And uh, I think you should have to sit there and listen to it because, uh, yeah, because uh, you are a bad guy and you should listen to this and, uh, you know, try to atone for your sins. Okay. Dear Mike and Diane Bickle, with the conclusion of our church's 21 day fast and season of earnestly seeking the heart of God. It is with a heavy heart and sober mind that I now enter the arena. Please know it's been a long time and long struggle coming. I sent this letter not as a threat, power play, or in a spirit of vindictiveness as a woman scorned, rather as an appeal to you to meet me in the arena 
and responsibly own bygone chapters of the story. I understand that you asked my forgiveness decades ago, and even as recently as this past fall, and I indeed forgave you with all my heart, even helping you in the present crisis in the spirit of Proverbs 17, 17. I made a vow in my young heart to cover you all the days of my life because I believed you when you took initiative to right the ship and cut things off for the sake of righteousness and those we love. Though I felt utterly abandoned by you at 16 years old, I believe you and I resolved to take those chapters of the story to the grave. For 43 years, I have done just that and I have covered you in love. In 1996, as a young mom, you gave me an anguishing final goodbye, endeavoring to never speak with me again. For the sake of all that is right and true, I agree with you, and I dove headlong into the Word of God, where Jesus began the tedious and tender process of piecing my shattered heart and identity back together and grounding me in His love. For five years, I did not speak with you, as the Lord held my heart and drove my roots deep into His. It was only when you returned to St. Louis in 2001 that our lines of communication opened again. Again, this time surrounding the house of prayer. Seeing you again reopen old wounds, but my roots were deep by then, and I was anchored firmly in the Lord's love and strength. From that time on, we were able to engage as distant friends in co-laborers in the prayer movement. I had great respect for and admiration of who you emerged to be and all that the Lord was accomplishing in and through you. I was deeply grateful for your tangible help in my own personal storms of life and ministry as well as the Lord's overarching redemptive work in protective covering. I love that my children affectionately called you Uncle Mike. We made it, or so I thought. This past fall, however, everything changed, though not immediately. Initially, I refused to believe anything that was said against you because I had an altogether different frame that no one but Jesus could see or understand. I knew personally your moral failure and wrestle and repentance when I was just 14 years old. I knew your gratitude to the Lord first and foremost, and to me for a clean slate and second chance. This is where I thought we left off, and in the personal pursuit of Jesus' healing, sans professional counseling, or the confidence of another human being, I vehemently covered you in love. Therefore, no human being was more defiant in the face of the accusations against you than I. I knew the gift you had been given, and I was confident you would never squander that before the Lord." In all these years, no one has inquired into my past with you, save for my sister's insinuations and open confrontations against IHOP Kansas City. The more wholeness I gained in heart and the more notoriety you gained in being a godly and generous man, the further we journeyed from those dark chapters. It would have remained so to the grave, just as I vowed, had I not read uh, Redacted's detailed victim statement, the parallels took my breath away as I realized I had the screenplay to her feature film. I told this to you, even still at your own confession of misconduct, I resolved to cover you, though no longer as much for your own heart as for my own family and personal heart. I adhere ardently wished to stay off of the radar and out of the drama. As this 21-day fast progressed, the Lord began to tenderize my otherwise armored-up heart. He led me to reread a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown that encourages the owning of our stories and the embrace of vulnerability for the sake of authenticity. I felt his gentle but firm nudges in the last number of weeks. I have outright lied to three loved ones when I asked a direct question about my past with you. Others have baited me with concern 
return text to which I hearted away with a thank you, all is well, but all is not well with my soul, nor should it be. I cannot live my life as a liar. It chafes my soul. When I vowed to take your inappropriate relationship with underage me to the grave, I did so to cover you in love. Whether you that was an example of trauma bonding by a victim of clergy sexual emotional abuse, I cannot say, but my heart was postured to forgive and cover because I believed everyone deserves a second chance. And all, for all intents and purposes, it seems as if you took yours to thriving and God-glorifying measures. But unfortunately, as I, along with the world, have discovered there, this was far from the perceived reality. You continued grooming and exploiting and covering, cover-upping with slight variations and apparently more honed maneuvering. This is not a falsity, but a well-worn and recognizable rut in your life that only the eyes of a 43-year-old long friend, sadly turned victim, can recognize. I can no longer cover you in love because it was never covering, was it? P please filter this properly. I am not betraying you in this letter because the covering I once offered to you was given to a man who in actuality never existed. Your sons didn't grow up with an incarcerated father, and for this I am grateful, as you should be too. But I cannot and will not live as a liar before the ones I love because that what was once covering is now complicitly in an anguishing pride and denial-driven cover-up regardless of what investigate deported, investigative reports imply." Please do not conclude this to be defamation of character, attention-seeking, gold-digging, or vindictive revenge. We have too much history for such impositions. You have said over and over throughout the years and in this crisis that you'd trust my judgment. Please trust me now. This letter is the culmination of a 21-day fast and a resolve to live in light and truth instead of shadows and lies. I step into the arena, not with a smoking gun of bravado, hoping to take down the great man of God and his legacy, but with a bleeding heart as one masterfully duped and an appeal to my mentor friend and abuser please own these chapters in vulnerability humility and repentance please free the others from their life sense of shadows and lies please allow us to faithfully wound as former friends instead of scripting our cover-up as pawns to be manipulated please let us exhale together in my closure my name is not jane doe it was Tammy Woods. When it all began, this is not meant for lawcraft fodder or social media fuel. It's a wounded heart offered in honest confession to my spiritual leaders and family and extended across the miles decade. Plot twists in context and earnest appeal to you. The son of a boxer, this is a technical knockout. Please throw in the towel. Please do what is true and honorable before the Lord. With hope, Tammy Woods. Mike, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Someone, someone literally gave you a second chance to do better. And you blew it. You, you, you know, it, you know, I mean, as much as I disagree with everything you did, and especially how old she was at the time, you know, uh, people make bad choices in life, you know? And, you know... If it was one of those things, you know, it's like, hey, you know, but I knew he made a mistake, and so I forgave him. You know, if, if the story ended there, I think people have been like, you know, Mike Bickle is human too. You know, we're all we're all sinners in the eyes of God. You know that that bullshit. People would have just said that about you, but like the fact that you you've known this is not something good to do. This was your maneuver. You know, you 
for we've gone over countless times how your little prophecy game, uh, your ability to convince people that you receive prophecies from God. When you know, when I heard that, and especially when you're starting, you're like God told me you're going to be my new wife, so uh, strap in. You know, like you're married. You know, you you knew this was wrong, and that's that's the scary thing about it. Just uh, people who know they're doing wrong but do it anyway because uh, they like it. You know, that's the scary fucking shit. Uh, about you, Mike Bickle, because this video is specifically for you. And w- what sh- you need to do, you don't act like you're sorry for that. That's what's that's the real problem is like you you don't act sorry. Like, and you know, and I'm a big believer, and it's like you should. I do definitely believe in second chances and you should apologize to people unless they're deciding I'm going to continue to do this for the rest of my life. And at some point you got to be like, look, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I definitely believe, yeah, like people can change and people can do better, you know, like, you know, dumb choices you made in the past shouldn't define you and stuff like that. But, you know, you can't forgive someone unless they apologize first. And I think, I think that's something, uh, you know, people I know dearly, you know, need to understand. And, you know, I think that's the world. Because, you know, in the Christian world, it's all about forgiveness. But at the same time, like, you can't forgive someone if they're not sorry for what they did. And they're not apologizing for what they did. That's my mind uh, when it comes to that, Mike. Uh, You have to mean it. You have to mean what you say. Your actions need to support your words because your actions did not support your words with Tammy Woods. Okay. You know, you said it was a mistake and you, you, she even willing to forgive you. And then, you know, she thought it was just a one-time thing and she knew, she thought, you know, it's like, Hey, people make mistakes and stuff like that. But then you just continue to do it. So it doesn't, it doesn't show that you're apologizing for anything. So, you know, I don't think, uh, forgiveness can be given unless, uh, there's an apology at the beginning. So you have to really prove that you're sorry about this. Don't listen to what your lawyers say. You know, you need to, you know, your public speaking skills. You do have good public speaking skills. Like, obviously, I don't think you would have had so many followers if, you know, you didn't have good public speaking skills. Like, you could just, you should be able to make an apology, a heartfelt apology on your own. Not a lawyer written apology, but like an apology on your own, you know, and do it. And then show how you want to do better, you know? Show how you. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, you know what actions you need to take to make things better, and where you need to go from here. The question is, are you going to do it? And uh, my guess is no, because sounds like you're a little bit of a sociopath. And so, um, as we like to say in the world, um, be gone, fuck. I don't. Know, I think that's the best one we got. All right, it's time for another segment of... Cool stuff. Slick stuff. Neat stuff. Uh, where uh, we look about what Garth Brooks has been up to. Now, Garth, this show has has really struggled a lot since... Uh, I'm pretty sure Garth got a new social media slash PR team to uh, make it not look like he's a murderer, which it, I feel like at this point we're only he's only making it worse. But anyways, this is from Whiskey Riff. I swear I met the guy who runs this once... Uh, and I don't remember, so I feel bad. Uh, no, 
Garth Brooks was not kicked out of a Toby Keith tribute for being too woke. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who once said not to believe everything you read on the internet. Obviously, it's easy to say whatever you want online these days, and it's easy to have false claims go viral before anybody even takes the time to fact check them. Of course, fact checkers are kind of bullshit sometimes too, but that's a different story for a different day. But anyways, we've seen several fake stories about Garth Brooks going around in the past, like the claim he that he started crying after being booed off stage during a show in his home state of Oklahoma or fake quote from Hank Williams Jr that he wouldn't be caught dead on stage with Garth even Texas governor Greg Abbott recently recently fell for one of these fake news stories sharing an article from the satirical Dunning-Kruger Times that claimed Garth was booed off stage in less than 2 minutes in the 123rd annual Texas Country Jamboree in Hambriston Texas insinuating that his recent Bud Light comments were the cause Obviously, this was not true. The Texas Country Jamboree is not a festival and definitely hasn't been around for 120 years. Hambriston is not a town in Texas, and the rabid fan base of G certainly did not suddenly turn their backs on the man they've idolized for decades. Governor Greg Abbott still shared the story, though, commenting in a since-deleted post, Go woke, go broke, broke, Garth called his conservative fans assholes. Good job, Texas. So yeah, it's easy for these fake stories to take root and spread like wildfire before the truth can be revealed. Well, another one of those posts from a satirical website has been making the rounds, claiming that Garth was removed from a Toby Keith tribute because he was too woke. Of course, Toby Keith recently passed away on February 5th, and the article claims that Toby wouldn't have wanted a woke person at his trivia show. The only problem is, it's all crap. The article originated from websites called SpaceXMania.com, which identifies itself as satire right on its site. Welcome to SpaceXMania, your go-to source for the latest space news and hilarious satirical commentary. And this clamor on their site reads, These articles are meant to be humorous and are often entirely made up. We make no claims that the information presented in these articles is true or accurate. Reading should exercise caution and use their own judgment when reading and interpreting our satirical articles. We take no responsibility for any actions taken based on the content of these articles. We understand that some readers may be unfair be unfamiliar with satire and may not understand that these articles are not meant to be taken at face value. It is the responsibility of the reader to discern the intent of these articles and to understand that they are not presented as factual information. So, uh, we all know the people who are falling for this, dude. You know, you know, like, Southern Republican lawmakers, you know, like, not intelligent people, you know, like, the the intelligent people aren't <laughs> reposting this shit. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is kind of weird. The only people who really don't like, like, does anyone actually give a shit about the Bud Light shit anymore? Like, Kid Rock's back. He's drinking Bud Light again. Like, I have to imagine, like, maybe some bars lost a deal and they just don't have Bud Light, but they probably still have other Budweiser shit, you know, <laughs> just available for everyone to to go for. But, uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but I think he wasn't invited to Toby Keith's tribute show because uh, we're celebrating the death of one person, you know? We don't need to have other people dying at a celebration of life, you know, at celebrations of life's, uh, make sure that, uh, we do not, uh, murder people, you know, uh, this is a message to Garth, you know, and, uh, actually I would love to see Garth play some Toby Keith songs. Actually, I mean, he'd do, I mean, he's a great performer, by the way. Uh, what if, uh, what if he, uh, gets Moose's Vegas residency to uh, the dome and, uh, 
he's just in there murdering people. It's like a, just a horror show in there. That would be that'd be some real Garth shit right there. But uh, I don't know. He's a crazy. He's a crazy motherfucker. You never know what he's gonna do. And uh, anything anyone's ever said about Garth Brooks uh, is true. I can't imagine any anyone has ever lied about him or made up stuff or even pulled jokes on him. I don't think anyone's done that. So, yeah, you, you never know. I like that. Or you never know. <laughs> All right, last article we got here uh, is from OK Magazine. Uh, absolutely unhinged Northwest shocks fans by praising Kanye's controversial music and drawing a picture of Bianca Sensori's behind. <laughs> Followers of Kim Kardashian and Northwest joint TikTok account were taken aback by one of their latest uploads. The post in question contained multiple photos with the last slide depicting a written prompt by the 10-year-old Todd who was asked by a teacher to write three things she was grateful for. I am grateful for the Vultures 1 album because it is insanely good, North wrote about her dad, Kanye West's new released disc. I am also grateful for Black Vulture because if Vultures weren't alive, this amazing album wouldn't have come out. Lastly, I am grateful for the song Carnival, she added, referencing another one of the rapper's tunes. North's words surprised some given that in one of his tracks, he raps about being bipolar and anti-Semitic. Equally concerning about was that North drew a rendition of Kanye's album artwork which features his wife, Bianca Sensori, in nothing but knee-high socks and a piece of fabric covering her behind. Though the the photo has since been deleted from TikTok, plenty of social media users saw it sparking disbelief and discussion. North's drawing her stepmom's ass is weird to me, y'all. I don't know. One person wrote on Reddit while another confessed, I can't defend this. This is absolutely unhinged. Even Eminem didn't let his daughters listen to his music. Another individual pointed out, art or not, her dad's music is inappropriate for children, and yes, that includes his own 10-year-old child. It's especially disturbing that she cites Carnival. I just read the lyrics as a grown adult, and I feel gross. One person noted the raunchy verses, while another said, honestly, it's wild that she's been exposed to. As OK reported, Kanye's spouse, whom he married in December 2022, is known for wearing next to no clothing, with an insider claiming that her loved ones worried she's being controlled by the Grammy winner. So... I try to stay away from a lot of Kanye news because uh, he has kids and they're involved and it's sad. Uh, but now we're talking about one of his kids. And I got to say, guys, we got to, I think, see, I don't know, because kids want to be on social media so bad. And then as an adult, you're like, I know it's on social media. I got to, like, make sure you don't fucking see uh, people getting hit by trains and shit. Like, I've watched a guy, he fixing something in like a machine, like a machine in a factory. And then he's sucked into the machine and he, he no longer, longer exists. Like there's no trace of him, uh, at all. You know, like he does not exist anymore. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think, I don't know. I think, I don't think Norris should be on social media. And, uh, because she posts, I, I can't imagine those get that comment section on that. That has to be brutal. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is. I, I think it's weird that, uh, North is really into her dad's music because, like, I have, like, little cousins that are, like, four and seven, almost five and seven, and, uh, I gotta be honest with you, they don't think anything I do is cool. Um, only, the, the things they think I do is cool is, like, uh, video games, uh, that's, that's what they think is cool I do, and then I buy them cool shit, you know? And so, like, yeah, you know, I, I, it's weird, you know, like, usually kids, like, don't care how famous you are, they just, like, they're just like, that's my dad. He's lame. You know, that's what most kids are like. So I think it's, I don't know, it's interesting 
I think she might probably like it because I think she's actually on the album. So maybe that's a little bit why she likes it and doesn't really know. Um, you know, someone who's around sixth graders a lot. I got to tell you, though, like, you'd be surprised. Um, you know, you think, like, kids are not sheltered anymore and, like, the Internet has ruined all of our minds. But, like, you meet some kids and, like, they'll accidentally say things that don't know. I heard a friend who's a teacher and uh, he was telling me about how uh, – the his like fourth graders were were saying bussy instead of busy <laughs> and like he like you know you can kind of tell when a kid doesn't know what they're saying you know it's just like you're just like it's so funny and i can't laugh you know <laughs> and it's like they don't know what they're saying <laughs> because it's a bussy and even even then it's like we're a little skeptical about it. it's like it's a boy pussy i'm like okay <laughs> how does that work you know but uh it is what it is, and, uh, you know, uh, life's a dirty game. You got to win it. FNX Fitness, the ultimate destination for fitness enthusiasts looking to reach their peak performance and achieve their health goals. Are you tired of the same old fitness routines that leave you feeling uninspired and unmotivated? Look no further than FNX Fitness, where they bring a fresh and innovative approach to your fitness journey. At FNX Fitness, they believe that true fitness goes beyond just physical strength. It's about nourishing your body and mind and soul to unlock your full potential. That's why they offer a wide range of high-quality supplements and products designed to support your active lifestyle. Fuel your workouts and enhance your recovery with the scientifically formulated supplements. From pre-workout energizers to post-workout recovery blends, FNX Fitness has you covered every step of the way. Their products are carefully crafted using premium ingredients, ensuring you get the nutrients you need to perform at your best. But don't take, but FNX Fitness is more than just supplements. It's a community of like-minded individuals who share your passion for fitness and well-being. Join their supportive community and gain access to expert advice, workout tips, and motivational content that will keep you inspired and on track towards your goals. They understand that fitness is a personal journey, which is why they offer a wide range of products to cater to your individual needs. Whether you're a seasoned athlete looking to take your performance to the next level or a beginner taking your first steps towards a healthier life, lifestyle, FNX Fitness has the tools and resources to support you every step of the way. But don't just take my word for it. Join the thousands of satisfied customers who have already experienced the FNX Fitness difference. Transform your fitness routine and unlock your full potential with FNX Fitness. And using our code in the description, you can save 15% off your order from their website. Ready to take your fitness to the next level? Uh, visit their website on your Nealist or your, your Nealist retailer today and discover the power of FNX Fitness. Elevate your performance, fuel your passion, and become the best version of yourself with FNX Fitness. And a reminder, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, and save money with just a few taps on your phone. Are you tired of dealing with the hassle of carrying cash or waiting in long lines at the bank? With Cash App, you can say goodbye to those inconveniences and hello to a seamless financial experience. Sending money to friends and family has never been easier. Whether you're splitting the bill at dinner, paying your share of rent, or simply sending a birthday gift, Cash App lets you transfer money instantly directly from your bank account. No need to worry about writing checks or handling physical cash anymore. Uh, but Cash App doesn't stop there. It's complete financial ecosystem right at your fingertips. Use the app to easily pay for your morning coffee, groceries, or even your monthly subscriptions. With just a simple scan or tap, you can make purchases at millions of locations, both online and offline. And here's the best part. Cash App helps you save money too. With its innovative Boost feature, you can unlock exclusive discounts and cashback rewards at popular retailers, restaurants, and even your favorite services. It's like having your own personal saving assistant, 
always looking out for the best deals. Worried about security? Cash App has you covered. With top-notch encryption and advanced security features, your financial information is always protected. Plus, if you have ever had any questions or concerns, Cash App's dedicated customer support team is available 24-7 to assist you. So why wait? Join millions of satisfied users and experience the convenience, speed, and savings that Cash App brings to your financial life. Download the app today from your app store and start sending spending and saving money like never before. Luckily, the best part is if you sign up using the link in the description, you get a free $5 just for signing up. That's literally just free money. Uh, so join Cash App today. The future of money is here. And when you use our links, you directly support this show. Uh, so announcement time, I have decided to become a lawyer and what better way to consider to study becoming a lawyer. Don't go to college, folks. Don't go to college to become a lawyer. If anything I've learned from, uh, this show is, uh, telling you don't go to college. It's (laughs) apparently a waste of time. Uh, I want to talk about suits. Um, you know how like no one watched this show when it was on except for like Prince Harry, and then now it's on Netflix and like everyone's been watching it. Uh, yeah, and apparently that was something of a strategy by what I've recently learned it was like a strategy by the at least the producers of the show or whoever's in, I don't know who's going to be in charge of that shit. That like they put it back on there that way it like people actually watch it, you know, and then, uh, that way when they're doing, they're, they're doing a spinoff. It's basically the same show. It's called Suits LA. And I'm, I think they just, Stephen Amell just got cast for it. I saw, but anyways, I want to talk about Suits, uh, the legal drama following everyone's favorite Harvey Specter, Mike Ross, you know, um, basically they, basically the show starts off. It's like, uh, Mike, Mike Ross, uh, maybe I should just start jumping into the show. But, uh, yeah, basically what happens is, uh, Mike Ross is our, it's hard to determine who the main character of the show is. Is it Mike or is it Harvey? Because by the end of the show, it's basically Harvey, but at the beginning of the show, it's Mike. But I mean, I guess in my mind, I consider Mike and Harvey, like the two leads, there's two leads, you know, you know, like the Marvels had three leads. This is Suits has two leads. And even then... Like you, you get a glimpse into everyone, the recurring cast, like you get into it. So Mike Ross, he had, he's like a genius and he has photographic memory. And I guess the way he described on the show was basically he can read something. And once he understands it, it's in his mind forever and stuff like that. So, um, by the way, uh, having photographic memory, whatever field of work you want to go into, um, is very useful. So if you have that, uh, you are set for life. All you have to do is try. That's all you have to do at this point. Uh, I don't know if you could, I mean, like you could learn, like remember, re- remember sheet music, but I guess you'd be a little different. You know, again, you gotta have your hands to it. You know, it's, it takes a little muscle memory if you ever did that, but I don't know. But, uh, he got expelled from his college, which I don't think it was Harvard at the time. Maybe it was, I don't know. But, uh, but basically, he got expelled from belt from school because he was he helped he got like a study or a the answer sheet or something like that and was giving it away or something similar to that. And uh, so basically, he got expelled and probably he can't really get back into college and he can't finish law school, go to law school, and all his dreams went out the door. So you know, uh, he you know he had, he's always had to make money the other way, like delivery and shit like that. 
And he also has to support his grandma because his parents had to have died. Uh, you know how parents do, and they just go off and die. You know, dad, you know how you went off and died? <laughs> um, so basically how the show starts off with is so like Mike's a genius, but he's like not working anywhere close to like his skill level. So his friend is, and soon to be former best friend, Trevor, uh, he's a drug dealer, and like he actually has a, another job too, or something like that. That's a cover up. He basically he he needs Mike to like deliver like a briefcase full of weed. This is back when like you couldn't like weed was bad. Uh, you know now it's good, so it's okay. Uh, but yeah, so he basically is trying to drop off like a a run or whatever to someone, and uh, luckily since Mike is smart, he figures out that uh, this is like a sting operation and he's going to get caught, so he doesn't get caught. Uh, he basically then, basically in that process, instead of that, into, in the process of not getting caught, he stumbles into like uh, like a job interview to be a lawyer for Harvey Specter, who I do got to say he is probably like the best lawyer in New York City. And uh, yeah, and so basically like if a briefcase of the weed all falls out and shit like that, <laughs> Like during the interview, <laughs> like classic, classic show. And uh, basically, Harvey's like, huh, you know a lot about the law. Uh, you want to be hired? He's like, I don't have, I don't, I'm not a real lawyer. He's like, yeah, that won't be a problem. It, it becomes a problem. It, it definitely becomes a problem. Definitely becomes a problem. Uh, so, like Harvey, Harvey's known as the best closer in the city. Where basically, in corporate law, I guess it means like closing a deal, you know, and stuff like that. Or getting the job done. You know, it's like you send Harvey in when you're done. So that's basically it. But but of course, this law firm Pearson Hardman at the time they, they change names every fucking season in the show. <laughs> they uh, they basically only hire Harvard graduates. So that's also. Uh, a struggle because uh, everyone, apparently everyone who's goes to law, Harvard Law School knows everyone in the class, apparently, and they're like, you're not in this class. So uh, that that's good. Uh, then we meet, like, his li- Harvey secretary, Donna, uh, who, you know, every every guy wants to fuck his secretary, so hire someone you want to fuck, guys. That's, that's, that's how you hire a secretary. Uh, and then she finds out, like, immediately. Uh, then Mike meets Rachel Zane, played by, what's her face? Uh, Megan, Megan Markle. Uh, and she's the worst character on the show. Like, if you're, if you're trying to talk to someone to walk the show, I was like, oh, this was the show Megan Markle was on before she became... Dutch uh, became the Duchess and, and shit like that. And I got to tell you, she is the worst character on the show. Like I genuinely, I'm like, she's not a bad actor or anything. So it's not like her. It's probably just the, the part she has to play, you know, being, being who she is. And it's just, you know, she's annoying, but she's hot. And, uh, you know, I understand what, uh, uh, Prince Harry saw in her, you know, I, I see it. Uh, it was all her, it was her looks. Um, I can't imagine. Yeah. But anyways, though, Mike's, Mike's, Rachel's a paralegal and she can't she doesn't she can't be a lawyer because she's bad at taking tests and that's a whole fucking plot she eventually becomes a lawyer that's what happens uh and then all the you know the first season you know they're trying to like it's a big hiding thing they're trying to hide from everyone but at the end of the season Jessica Pearson you know a managing partner of this firm she she finds out pretty much by the end of the season uh and then by like season now we're on season like season two she basically figures out 
Mike's 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 faking it because she's like she's a very intelligent woman too. And uh the co-founding partner of this firm, which wasn't always that, but the one the guy she went to to take over the firm and get her name on the wall. The they're Lawyers, the lawyers on the show, like they have a big importance about getting their name on a wall, having their own, like being uh, like a manager or a named partner in a firm. It's like a big deal. You go from like associate to a junior partner to senior partner to name partner, and being the name partner means everything. But like, unless you're managing partner, then like none of that. I really don't think any of that really matters too much. Just mind of the fact, uh, bragging rights or whatever. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, and uh, Daniel Hardman is a little, little, little rascal. Uh, I'd like to call Daniel Hardman a rascal. Uh, he's always trying to bring, get shit up, bring shit up, and and uh, he's trying to. He's just an agent of chaos, and uh, he, he he is a little rascal. I'm not as bad as Hitler's little rascals, but uh, but yeah, he's a little rascal. He's always trying to find shit. Uh, Basically, and then like basically, Harvin set it up because he's trying to get rid of Harvey and Jessica because they made him leave the firm initially because he cheated on his wife and they and they also was like probably laundering money too to like help his wife and shit like that. So they're like, you did it for a noble reason, so we'll let you off, but and then sign shit and stuff like that. Uh, but once like they basically what he tries to do is like hide a document and then Donna sees it and then destroys it, which means it's burying evidence and uh, you don't do that in law. I've learned every, all my, all my legal stuff was from the one music business class I took and this show. That's all my, and She-Hulk and a little bit of Daredevil. A liar, liar. That's, that's how I've learned the law folks. And pretty much, I pretty much have it down at this point. We're, are we going to have a lawyer off or whatever? I don't, well, actually I would not do good in court. Uh, I would do great if I was being like interrogated. I'm like, I'd do great there because I just, because I know my rights. And so I'd be like, uh, get me a lawyer. And all these people are like, try to avoid doing that, which is against the law, by the way, but they're the ones enforcing the law. So they get away with that shit. Um, so yeah, after, you know, after that, they get, they get out of it. They, they, they figured out by the end of this season, uh, that they can join forces with this British dude named Edward Darby, uh, who is British, by the way. So if you if you have an affinity to not like their voices, um, I understand because I just wish they would not do it around me. That's all I ask. If you're if you're British, just don't do it around me. Okay, that's all I ask. And uh, basically, they they get him out a third time. Um, this one sticks, but uh, not without he 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 he's a reoccurring he's a reoccurring menace uh, that Daniel Hardman is. So they basically merge with Edward Darby, and uh, Mike tells Rachel that he's not real, and that's when they can start being together because like it's kind of like you can't that's like a secret, and you can't really keep secrets in relationships, and it, you know unless you told her that yeah it makes makes sense, and then uh, so yeah. That's that's basically season two. Uh, Rachel and Mike get together. Darby joins in, and uh, that means you get to season three, and uh, you have that little. Uh, uh, Darby is he's not necessarily a villain, but he he's kind of like Jessica and Harvey in a sense, where it's a little you know too many cooks in the kitchen. That's kind of how it is, and so Harvey uses that as leverage to get become name partner. And I think he eventually does. 
and uh, Lewis becomes senior partner, which they they waited too long to make Lewis senior partner. Like at at or no senior partner, yeah, they took a little way too long, but. He's there. Lewis is there. Even though he did take Hardman's side for a little bit, he he eventually did the right thing, and so we we got to keep Lewis around. Uh, and then um, what was it? And then uh, so yeah, Darby. Uh, they have a client called Ava Hessington, which I think Darby wants to fuck her. Or no, I think Darby's gay. So I don't know. They're friends or whatever. And uh, it's just like they know she's like, oh yeah, didn't she like? give a heads up and like a bunch of people died or some shit like that. Like it was, it was like pretty dark. Like she put a hit on someone and, uh, eventually in regards to law mumbo jumbo, uh, he, after that, they, they basically are able to put the blame on Edward Darby. And then that makes it so he can't practice law in the United States. Cause it was a big enough, they're from London, but it was like a big enough firm they can do in the practice law in the United States, which, I I don't know those rules because like you have to be like don't you have to like be able to practice law in like every individual state versus like because every individual state has different laws so I don't even know how that happens with like fucking foreign like how do they know fucking American laws you know that do they even have laws in England I don't know I don't know those guys everyone's smoking cigarettes over there so I can't imagine uh, anything uh, but yeah at this point. Mark realizes he needs to break good, and uh, he decides to become an investment banker because being an investment banker apparently doesn't require anything to be an investment banker. You just got to be – he's just smart enough, and the guy, was, uh, the guy he was uh, – put himself into uh, was like, that's, a, that's fine. But then find out he was a fake lawyer, but he's like, yeah, you can, you can be an investment banker. Anyone can. I don't care. So, yeah, basically season four starts off, and this is – Mark, Mike, and Harvey's breakup. A lot. They do a lot of. There's a lot of breakups in the show, uh, and they're not relationships. They're friendships. So we have to get that. So basically, uh, there's like a takeover battle with the investment bankers and some shit like that and stuff like the SEC. You know, eventually Sean Cahill uh, eventually comes in. Sean Cahill was starts off as a villain, and then becomes a friend when they. Uh, when they like, uh, well, oh yeah, Mike gets fired from that job, and then like eventually, what happens in this season? Uh, eventually, uh, okay, all right, let me re- let me read my notes. When Mike is fired, Lewis goes to extreme lengths to persuade Mike to return to Pierce Inspector. Okay, so he returns, basically comes back and uh, back to his little fraud life, uh. And stuff like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, and to, like, get this deal, oh, to get, like, this deal, they had to go to Forceman, and Forceman wanted them to, like, move money, like, illegally and shit like that so he could avoid paying taxes on it. Uh, no billionaire's ever done that before. And uh, and then, you know, Lewis gets Jessica to rehire Mike, even though he's a fraud. And then uh, Lewis finally figures out, like, that Mike didn- never went to Harvard, considering he's banging the lady who... <laughs> was like in charge of, of having everyone's records. Like it took, took a little bit to figure it out, but they did a good job hiding it. Cause like Harvey was in on it. Jessica was in on it. Mike was in on it. Even Rachel and Donna to some extent were in on it too. Lewis uses that leverage to become name partner. And, and you know, I think he should have become name partner longer before that when Harvey did, you know, but they were like, we can't do it at the same time or else it doesn't matter. You know, I'm like shut up, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but then like Mike and, 
Lewis have to work it out. You know, why'd you lie to me? It's like, it wasn't personal. And like at this, at the time, you know, it's like, you know, if like someone had that secret, you know, it's like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, it's, it wasn't personal. Like, don't take it personally. It wasn't because of that. Like, you know, we're not telling anyone and people are just, and you found out, you know, on your own. So, you know, like Lewis, don't take it personally. I mean, that's my, that was my thing. I was just like, Lewis, don't take this shit personally. It wasn't because of you. Uh, and then eventually after everything, Donna realized I'm like, eh, it's kind of, I shouldn't work for Harvey. So she starts working for Lewis and, uh, you know, and then that, that's the next breakup. And then Harvey and Donna broke. Nothing's, nothing's a stronger relationship than a secretary in there. And <coughs> they're the secretary and their their lawyer boss, you know? So like Harvey's basically like going through a breakup with Donna. He starts going to a therapist and shit like that. You know, like we all do. Um, and then we meet Jack Soloff, uh, who looks like Mads Mikkelsen, uh, with a beard, you know, but, uh, it's not Mads Mikkelsen. He's a cool, he seems like a cool guy though in real life, not, not on the show. Uh, and, uh, we turned out that Jack Soloff is being manipulated by Daniel Hardman. That little rascal is back, everyone. He is back. Um, and uh, he's doing that. Rachel's, you know, planning her wedding and shit like that. Uh, but eventually, Mike and Harvey both resign because they're like, I don't think we should be doing this. Uh, we need to resign because I think there was a weird deal with Forsman. Mike's like, I need to stay straight, you know. And the uh, the moment he quits, he gets arrested for uh, not being a real lawyer. And, and then you get to this problem with Anita Gibbs, who is a witch, but does eventually come around. But uh, she is a witch. Uh, so eventually they're going to court and basically for Mike being a fake lawyer and he basically won. They figured out like he won. They went to one of the jurors and like, they figured out that they were going to put him innocent or, uh, not guilty. And, uh, instead he signs a deal. He doesn't believe in Harvey or himself. And so he ends up going to jail. Uh, and so that's how the show, the season ends. He goes to jail. Now on to season six. Uh, so Mike's supposed to be in prison for two years, but, uh, one, there's a, there's an inmate named Frank Gallo who just wants to murder him because Harvey put him in jail for racketeering when he was really trying to murder someone. So he, he deserves to be in jail. Right? Like he deserves, uh, and it's Pierce Inspector lit now. Uh, like everyone quit because of Mike's being fraud, being a fraud or whatever. And so they basically have to put like pro bonos and like hire lawyers outside of Harvard. Oh, God forbid. They have to go to Columbia university. They have to go to other Ivy League schools to get lawyers. They have to, they can't just stick with Harvard. Um, but uh, yeah, but then they're, they're basically basically end up working uh, out a deal to get Mike out of prison because like they're not going to have just Mike be in prison for the whole show. And then so Mike's basically he has to rat on his roommate Frank or not Frank Gallo, uh, whoever his fucking cellmate is. Do I have it in my notes? Nope. And uh, basically it was because like his roommates father-in-law did some shady shit and he went to prison to make sure his wife doesn't go to prison. And eventually they were able to figure out a deal where they got Mike out of prison and that guy out of prison. And then Frank tried to kill Mike. And so therefore they caught it on camera too. And then, uh, Frank is going somewhere way worse. And, uh, yeah, basically Mike comes back, but he has to, you know, everyone knows he's a fake lawyer. So, he gets like a job at like a at a like a law clinic or whatever, which is basically like they only take fifty thousand dollars per case, so like whatever it is, and then uh, after that, it's uh, 
you know, or whatever. And so Mike has basically does like a manager job, but like the lawyers are in there. So eventually they figure out how to get Mike back into the system and like a f- back in the bar, you know, or whatever. And eventually Mike is able to become a lawyer again because they, Anita Gibbs has a change of heart and uh, she approves Mike becoming, being back on the bar. So Mike is now an, a, a real lawyer now. So, uh, so now he has to go back to like Pearson Hardman, no Pearson Spectre lit at this point. And, uh, yeah, basically he's like, I want to do pro bonos to help people, not corporate law. And then, so we get into season seven and, uh, the whole plot revolves around Mike wanting to help people instead of doing corporate law and uh, him and Harvey fight, but you know, they, they work it out. Donna becomes COO. She just talks her way into it. That's how you get jobs, folks. You just talk your way into it. That's how it works. Uh, and then they revealed, Lewis has been going to a therapist forever, and uh, and, and finally it starts. <laughs> therapy starts working like it's season seven. He's been doing it since before the show started, but now season seven, he's like joining. They, they had uh, Dule Hill, uh, Alex. He joins the team, uh, and Rachel finally passed her the bar, so now she can be a lawyer too. So her and Mike are bo- both lawyers doing good in their shit. They figure out that there is this like prison thing because it was like a corporately owned prison like by a construction company and they're using the free labor from prisoners and so they're both keeping prisoners in longer than they need to be or you know stuff like that so very shady shit that they that's always happening all the time and uh yeah and uh mike figures out that they're killing killing and abusing uh prisoners and they're like, that's not cool. And they, they figure it out, but they have leverage over to Alex. And so they figure out how to get out of that. And yeah, by the end of this season, a lot of, a lot of cool things happen. Uh, Mike and Rachel get offered a job in Seattle working like class action lawsuits, you know, like that actually help people and shit like that. They go to, they go to, so they move to, uh, Seattle and that's how they wrote out, uh, Meghan Markle, because she decided she wanted to be a princess instead of uh, finishing out the goddamn show. And so that's cool. Uh, but then Robert Zane learns, uh, that's Rachel's dad, who is a recurring character throughout the entire show. He uh, he learns that his partners, Ellen Rand and Eric Caldor, are trying to do something shady like uh, take over Spectre, at this point, Spectre lit now, because Jessica left. And so, because Jessica took the fall for knowing Mike was a Mike was a fake lawyer, and so she got disbarred, and she was like, I'm okay, I'm rich. <laughs> I'm moving to Chicago, get my own little spinoff. And, uh, yeah, Robert Zane becomes a name partner at uh, Spectre Lit, and, and soon it becomes Zane Spectre Lit. So now we're at Zane Spectre Lit. And so uh, we're moving into season eight. Mike and Rachel are now not on the show anymore, and so I thought this was where the show got bad, but I thought it was still fine because they added uh, Catherine Heigl to the show, uh, so we had the Wheeler, and so... Basically, this show starts off with uh, Robert Zane and uh, Harvey uh, promising both Alex and Samantha both. Uh, you were like, the next person to be named partner is going to be you. They both agree to that. And eventually, there have to be like, all right, you're both named partners, so you guys don't have to fucking compete against each other anymore. Now, Lewis is managing partner. And so, all is good. Uh, Katrina, uh, one of my favorite hotties on the show, she uh, made senior partner, which should have been having a long time ago. And... Uh, by the end of this season, Donna and Harvey finally admit their feelings for each other. But uh, what happened was uh, Harvey and uh, Harvey and Alex 
are both doing cases against each other, which I don't know if law firms should be doing that, but I guess it's whatever. Uh, and they actually figured out that Harvey gave Alex information and th- via and through Donna's boyfriend at the time. You know, it's like a whole wheel of things. And basically, Robert Zane decides to take sacrifice his legal career and uh, be disbarred for the firm and stuff like that. Which now we're going to season nine, which, you know, you've had, by this point, this law firm, Mike Ross was disbarred and then rebarred, obviously. And then uh, Jessica Pearson was disbarred. And then Robert Zane was disbarred. So uh, they bring in Faye Richardson, who is a bitch and has no redeeming qualities. Zero redeeming qualities. Like, she's like, I do things by the rules, and you guys always cross the line. And there's like, we cross the line for the better good of the world, you know, and shit like that. So she, like, takes away Lewis's managing partner and decides to do it here. She wants to, like, basically, she wants to destroy the firm. She wants to get Harvey disbarred. Like, every lawyer wants to get Harvey disbarred because he's too good. Basically, the reason why you would go after, like, a lawyer getting disbarred is because you suck against them, and that's why you do it. So, you know, if you didn't suck, maybe you wouldn't have to do this shit. Um, so she's kind of a bitch throughout the whole firm. They find the skeleton circle because she's not a good person either. Like, all these people are not good people, you know? It's just kind of how goofy they do. Uh, and then, you know, eventually they pull one last little, they pull like a scheme to get her to sign a document saying she, because like she was being sued by Samantha after like she fired Samantha, uh, for wrongful termination. And they're like, Harvey and Lewis, you have to be my lawyers or, and I'll leave. And then they do it. And then they, they are like, why don't we just team up and just get rid of her, you know? And then they do that. And then they're like, Lewis is, and then eventually she leaves because Harvey says he's going to quit too soon. And then. Lewis and Sheila get married, and Sheila gives birth to the wedding on the wedding day. Harvey marries Donna because Lewis left. I don't know, because he has to one-up Lewis. I was like, Lewis is not going to be happy about this. And they both decide to move to uh, Seattle, be with Mike and Rachel. Uh, so uh, that way they can do good in the world. Because Harvey realizes, like, I like crossing lines, and I like doing what I do, but I want to do it for good. And so Harvey realizes that he needs to do good. So he goes out there to Seattle, leaving the firm name as Lit Wheeler Williams Bennett. Now, uh, that is a lot of names. So let's think. Pearson Hardman, that was even the original name. Pearson Hardman. Then it's uh, Darby Specter, uh, Darby Pearson Lit. No, Darby Pearson Specter. Then Pearson Specter. Then Pearson Specter Lit. Then Specter Lit. Then Zane Specter Lit. Then Zane Specter lit uh, Wheeler Williams, and then finally, and and then eventually uh, Specter lit uh, Wheeler Williams, and then eventually ending on lit Wheeler Williams and Bennett. Uh, Katrina made it, and that's how the show ends. Happy ending for everyone except for Faye Richardson. She sucks. Um, but yeah, that was that was a uh, that was Suits, and uh, that's the entire show. Suits summarized by the worst person you know. Uh, you know, it was like, how do I breathe? That's a good question after reading that. But no, I genuinely think this is a good show. It gets a little, che- if you understand that it's going to be a little cheesy because there's a lot of episodes start with like, but Harvey, you're the best lawyer in the city. Only you would be able to handle this. And then Harvey's like, I'm in, you know, see the money want to stay for the year. You know? And then that's opening credits and shit like that. But no, if you haven't watched Suits yet, I would definitely, I would definitely say go watch that because I think it's a, very, very phenomenal show. Very well done. Like, if it wasn't for Netflix, this show, 
I don't think anyone would know this show ever really existed, minus the fact that Meghan Markle was on the show, because I think it started in, like, 2011 or something like that, so that's when everyone stopped watching cable and, like, you know, started just streaming shit, you know? So... Uh, if you're looking for my recommendation to watch Suits, uh, watch it. If you're looking for legal advice, please don't come to me because I because I was told I was told that uh, being a lawyer is probably a little bit different from a television show. So, so yeah. Drizzly, the ultimate convenience for all your alcohol needs, delivered right to your doorstep. Tired of making last-minute trips to the liquor store or dealing with crowded aisles and long checkout lines? With Drizzly, your favorite drinks are just a few taps away, making your alcohol shopping experience easier and more enjoyable than ever before. Drizzly brings the liquor store to you, offering an extensive selection of beer, wine, spirits, and more. Browse their vast catalog of top quality brands, local favorites, and specialty beverages, all conveniently organized on their user-friendly app or website. With Drizzly, there's no need to leave the comfort of your home. Simply choose your favorite drinks, place your order, and let their reliable delivery partners handle the rest. Whether you're hosting a party, relaxing after a long day, or simply stocking up for the weekend, Drizzly ensures that you drink your drinks are delivered promptly and securely. But Drizzly isn't just about convenience, it's about choice. Discover new flavors, explore unique craft brews, or find the perfect bottle of wine to complement your meal. With Drizzly's vast selection, you have the freedom to choose exactly what you want when you want it. Worried about the hassle of age verification? Drizzly has you covered. Their delivery partners are trained to ensure responsible alcohol delivery, making sure that only those of legal drinking age receive their orders. Your safety and the safety of your community is their top priority. Join the millions of satisfied customers who have already embraced the convenience and simplicity of Drizzly. Say goodbye to the hassle of traditional alcohol shopping and hello to the ease of having your favorite drinks delivered to your doorstep. That's not all. Using our link in the description gives you $5 off your first order, which can greatly enhance your night, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, ready to elevate your drinking experience? Download the Drizzly app or visit our website today and experience the future of alcohol shopping. Cheers to a new way of enjoying your favorite drinks with Drizzly. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Honey, your ultimate online shopping companion that saves you time and money effortlessly. Are you tired of endlessly searching for coupon codes or missing out on the best deals when shopping online? Say goodbye to those frustrations and hello to Honey, the free browser extension that revolutionizes your online shopping experience. Honey is your personal shopping assistant that automatically finds and applies the best coupon codes at checkout, helping you save money with just a few clicks. No more wasted time scouring the internet for discounts. Honey does the work for you, ensuring you never miss out on a great deal again. But Honey doesn't stop at coupon codes it goes the extra mile to ensure you get the best price possible. With Honey's innovative price history feature, you can track the price changes of your favorite products over time. This means you'll always know if you're getting the best deal or if it's better to wait for a price drop. And the best part, Honey works seamlessly with over 30,000 online retailers, including popular brands across fashion, tech, home goods, and more. Whether you're shopping for a new wardrobe, upgrading your electronics, or sprucing up your living space, Honey has your back, ensuring you get the best value for your money. 
Worried about privacy and security? Rest assured, Honey is committed to protecting your personal information. They never sell or share your data, and their browser extension is designed with top-notch security measures to keep your online shopping experience safe and secure. Join the millions of satisfied users like me who have already saved millions of dollars with Honey. Download the Honey browser extension today and unlock a world of savings every time you shop online. Don't miss out on an incredible deal and the chance to save money effortlessly. Experience the power of Honey and take your online shopping to a whole new level. Honey, the sweetest way to shop online. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. It is time for Oh No, Our Table, the part of the podcast. Uh, I just answer I just answer questions. I uh, just answer questions. So if you have a question for me, please let me know. Uh, so, uh, you know. Let's just jump into it. If you had 10 out of 10 looks, would you be more promiscuous? If people were always throwing themselves at you due to the way you looked, do you think you generally have a harder time staying faithful, loyal, and monogamous in life? Hmm. Um, yeah, okay. So, would I be more promiscuous? Probably. I'd, I'd make more thirst traps on Instagram. I mean, at the end of the day, it, you know, people want to look at good-looking people, and Instagram is an app of photos and videos now. So, I'd probably be making a lot of thirst traps. So, yeah, I would, I would be doing that. Uh, I think I'm finally down to a weight where it's like, if I take my shirt off, it's funny and not sad anymore, which, um... Uh, you bet I'm coming up in May. Hide your moms. Uh, so in regards to like, would I be more promiscuous uh, in regards to that? Yeah, I'd definitely be a little more, at least in regards to like Instagram, you know, worst comes to worst, OnlyFans would work out for me. Um, but uh, in regards to relationships, I don't think that would, uh, I don't think much would change. You know, if you if you really... If you really love someone, you know, you, you know that like, hey, if I cheat on them, I'm hurting someone I love and I don't want to do that. So that's how normal people think. Um, so I don't think like monogamy would be hard. I mean, what would be more difficult in life is as a musician, uh, when you go to, sh when you play music, sometimes women throw themselves at you. Uh, not women I would consider ladies, but, uh. I would consider them, yeah, I wouldn't consider them ladies, you know. Uh, these are the kinds of chicks that like to go airtight, as in all holes plugged. If you know what I'm uh, saying. But, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, and so it's more or less, like, worried about someone getting handsy with you, you know. I think that's that's something uh, hard. And then sometimes the the rare unicorn comes along. The AKA a lady comes along. She's a lady and ladies shouldn't be messed with. I always thought that was she was a lady in waiting and shouldn't be messed with. That's what I always thought the words were. And I learned it's uh, not that forever the sickest kids. You need to fucking figure your shit out because it's not my problem. It's your problem. I, I'm not going to blame myself for this. Uh, yeah. So I think that would be hard. I mean, like, Sometimes you get a check, like, do you want to fuck right now? You want me to suck your dick right now? And um, I'd have to be like, no, unless I, unless I want to follow the line. Dick suck ain't cheating, which still debatable. <laughs> still debatable, unless unless we're going with that rule. Um, dick suck ain't cheating. Uh, I wish I could do that in, like, class with kids. You'd be like, all right, poll time, and we all need a vote. Is a dick suck cheating? <laughs> Got a bunch of, imagine, like, a bunch of 11-year-olds. <laughs> 
That'd be horrible. <laughs> That's the nice thing about working, like, it, you know, around kids is it's surprisingly less sexual, and it's nice. Like, you know, all your all my musician friends were like, come, 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 and then the kids are not all about that. And it's it's nice. It's nice when children uh, act like children. It's it's really nice. Uh, it's it's a nice. It's a nice like you can watch like, you know, you can watch like stuff that like you know you can watch like PG thirteen stuff, but then it's also not like let's talk about cum for twenty minutes. You know, that's what this podcast is about. We talk about cum here. Um, but yeah, no, I'd be more promiscuous, but uh, I would be I would stay the same level of monogamous. You know, I would just wait around. You know. But, like, when you're single, being a 10 out of 10 is pretty fucking rad, you know? It's just like, everyone wants to suck my dick, you know? That sounds like the best life, you know? Feel like a woman, a real woman. He's everything I want personality-wise, but he's obese. Come on, Mark, don't be stingy. I'm a 25-year-old woman with a 28-year-old classmate who has liked me for years. While his personality is ideal, I've hesitated because he's significantly overweight, around 5'8 and 400 pounds. God damn. Uh, despite his insecurities and occasional arrogance, I'm feeling lonely and considering dating him. As a petite person who values physical health, I'm unsure if I can overlook the lack of physical attraction despite his caring nature and ability to provide for me. Hmm. Um, part of me, you know... Part of me feels like you can, I feel like you could manipulate him into losing weight. And honestly, five, and like, he's like my height and he's 400 pounds. I am like, I'm almost in the 180s. Okay, folks, I'm almost there. So I'm in the 190s right now. Y'all call me fat. You got, y'all call me, I see the comments. I see y'all commenting like, like, how come his other chin has a better beard than he does? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like, honestly, though, I'm like, he does need to get his health on track, though, and, like, he's 28 now, um, classmates, that's, okay, um, he has in, like, law school or something, uh, no, I think he should lose weight, but, like, is physical health, like, how much do you value physical health, like, are you, like, a gym rat, because, like, yeah, if you're one of those types of people, you're probably not gonna be dating a fat person, in my mind, usually abs stick with abs, as I like to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like if you, and here's the thing though, don't consider dating someone just because you're lonely, because at the end of the you're just going to get him hurt. If you're lonely, um, probably masturbate or something. Usually if you're, yeah, that usually fixes a lot of the problems. Just masturbate. Don't be, a, don't do like a sad jerk though. You're a woman. Don't do a sad flick. Do like... Imagine what he'd look like skinny and then try that out. I don't know. Like, honestly, though, yeah, uh, his, his, I think he used to work on his weight, but, like, and that's something, like, you can't just go up to him and be like, I would date you, but you're fat. So unless you lose X amount of weight, I will not date you. You know, and, like, that's shallow, and so you're in kind of a situation. What I'm going to say here that, like, honestly, you're considering dating him because you're lonely, which is not something you should, in my advice, is not something you should do. Uh, date someone because you want to date them and that they make you a better person. And, like, when you're with them, they both make you feel good and, like, you know, someone just, make it to someone you care about. It sounds like, yeah, you're just lonely. And so what I would suggest is uh, 
You can buy those vibrators with the suction cups at Walmart, but which is insane that they're locked because um, I'm never gonna. I don't. I don't even. You know, if you're getting sex, just buy sex toys online, guys. Like it's anonymous. They they like Adam and Eve, and like all these companies, like they're aware that like hey, no one wants to publicly show. No one wants. If someone wants to buy like a flashlight or a or a vibrator, uh, people don't want to advertise that to the entire world. Most people don't want to advertise that shit to the entire world. So the fact that you'd have to get a Walmart employee, get them to unlock it, and probably take you to a register to check out your fucking vibrator is crazy to me. But now it sounds like you just need a fucking vibrator since you're lonely. I'm like, you, y'all probably fix a lot of your problems. Um, because, yeah, especially, yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, I say, like, be nice to him, but, like, at the same time, like, he needs to know, like, you're not really interested, and you shouldn't just be interested because you're lonely. That's my advice, because uh, he's going to get his feelings hurt, and, like, honestly, uh, you shouldn't lead someone along if you know, like, you really don't want to be with him. Like, it sounds like you're keeping him in your wheelhouse just, like, just for when this lonely comes, loneliness comes and you have someone, someone, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not right for the other person to have to deal with that. It's not right of you to do that to someone. So like, like I said, like, this is such a deal breaker for you. You just need to let it be a deal breaker. So just say like, I need, I want to date a gym rat, start going to the gym, look for men there. You know, they'll all be ass. They will all be assholes. And most of them don't have nice faces. I got to tell you. If you go to a gym, look for the look for the strongest guys you can see there. Look at their face. It's you know they're you know they have to compensate for the rest of them. You know um, I don't. I'm I'm cute. I'm cute. How, however fat I am, so uh, it's not my problem. It's your problem. It's that guy's problem. So uh, as I like to say, figure it the fuck out. So <laughs> all right, recording studio que- a recording question. All right. Had had to ban a studio client I've worked with for two years. How could you handle this situation? I recorded a rapper for two years, but he no-showed without notice 13 times. Despite his rough background, I was patient and suggested he prepay for sessions to protect my time. He found this weird and later asked for a discount, which I refused due to his past behavior. He called me disrespectful and threatened to go to another studio. I blocked him after this. How do you handle clients like this? Could I hand could I have handled it differently? Um, honestly, yeah, you, you handled the situation good. Um, he bailed on you 13 times and you didn't require any sort of prepay or down payment or like for a fee for like a no show, you know, no call, no show, you know, you're doing everything right in regards to business. Uh, you know, uh, I have to imagine your time is valuable. And so, uh, a lot of times what people would technically do in this situation is would be charging a fee for like a no call, no show. Uh, which is, which is like, you know, very normal. Like most businesses or sometimes you work and it's someone's time, like you don't show up. Like, yeah, like this is hurting you. If he doesn't, if you do this and he doesn't prepay for sessions, you know, to protect your time, like basically he's booking time with you and then not using said time with you, wasting your time and you're not getting paid for said time. You have to let them, you know, you have to let people know like your time is valuable. You don't want to be like a you don't want to be like a horrible person about it, you know, and I don't, you don't want to like cheapskate people. Cause like, you know, if I charge someone hourly, you know, a lot of times I'll like, because so, there's a lot of times like you're working solitary and you're like figuring things out on your own. And that's hard to be like, Oh, I had to spend an extra hour or so working on this, you know, like cut a couple hours, you know, 
you always have to cut a couple hours off at the end anyways, you know? But, uh, yeah, even if you say, like, maybe make them prepay for sessions or even put a down payment, like pay half up front, and then after you show up, I'll require and record you, I'll require the other half later. You can do stuff like that. Um, if this, you know, if the client's like, hey, this is not going to work from, I can't, I think this is weird and I don't like it, I'm going to go to another studio. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, other studios aren't going to deal with this shit either. Like, if he's just not showing up to sessions, you know, that, like, he's supposed to put money into, like, no one's going to do that. And most other studios, like, I don't know how long you've been, I mean, you've been doing it over two years, you know? You know, like, you just remember, like, you're, you have, you got your, res, you got your, uh, portfolio padded with uh, mixes you can send people and be like, this is what I like, this is how I make music sound like, you know? And, like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he if he's not going to show up to sessions, you're not making money either way. So, like, e- so, like, you did the right thing. Either say prepay or put in, like, some sort of, like, half now, half later type of situation or just tell him to find another studio because, like, you know, if he's going to, unless he's, he's probably going to someone who just, you know, got their focus right, Scarlet, and their, you know, on their, fruity loop system or whatever you know like if he wants that like he's just gonna get a shittier product so like don't sell your short out there i'm like yeah if you want it professionally done and you want to hire a professional to do this for you uh professionals require money you know the term being a professional at something means you get paid to do it not that like you do it all the time it's like you get paid to do it that's what a professional means you know they're so good at what they do you need to they you have to pay them for their time. Like lawyers rarely do shit for free like this, you know? And like, yeah, it's, it's weird because the music industry is all like, there's a whole renegade of people being like, well, I'll, you'll do it. We'll promote you and do it for exposure. But like exposure doesn't pay bills and shit like that. So like that. So no, you did the right thing. Um, what I would do, here's what I would do if I had, you know, if I was working with someone and they're recording with me and after 13 times of not showing up to their session, I'd be like, Hey man, you've no showed a couple times, and my time is valuable. Uh, if we're gonna k- keep working together, uh, unfortunately, what I'm gonna have to do is um, either we need to make an agreement. Either you pay for your sessions up front, you know, before uh, before we even even officially book you into the studio, or you pay half now. So when you don't show, uh, you're not getting that time back. You're not getting that money back, uh, or whatever, you know. It's how it is. You know, that's that's how businesses work, you know? Uh, like, restaurants, if you have a reservation and then don't show up, what are they going to do? They're just going to give your table to someone else, you know? Like, you know what? Someone who's going to pay, who's there, willing to pay money for a product, you know? Uh, just, I mean, it's, it's just common business. Like, he's wasting your time. You're not getting paid for him wasting your time. It's not worth it. So, uh, you did the right thing. Uh, I don't know if blocking him was too interesting because, you know... You know, because, like, you should still keep it open. Like, yeah, I'll still work with you, but, like, I'm starting to require every – and be like, I'm requiring every client to do this now. So it's not like a youth, just you. It's everyone. So, you know, uh, game is game, you know. Uh, I feel like a woman, a real woman. Uh, is attending the funeral of my friend's mom strange or supportive? The mother of a family friend sadly passed away last week. Her funeral is coming up, and I was planning to attend <clears> – <throat> But when I mentioned it to my mom, she was like, but you didn't even know her, the mother. 
It's true. I only briefly met her a couple times, whereas my mom knew her quite well, but in my mind, it was more about showing respect and being supportive towards our friend. While my mom hasn't said I shouldn't go, she made me feel like it was a weird thing to do. There's going to be a mass, and then the burial is going to be close family, so I plan to only attend the first part, of course. The last thing I want to do is be rude or intrusive towards my friend, so I'd like to know, am I in the wrong here? Um, no. Um, when my dad died, I had a lot of friends, you know, show support and friend, you know, we had a lot of friends come up for the funeral, even like if you just go to the visitation or whatever, like, you know, even if like my friend, I knew a lot of friends who like didn't know my dad, they just heard the stories about him. And so it's like they're, they came, you know, to support me, not necessarily to like show respect for my dad, you know, cause you know, cause people have families and stuff like that, you know, when someone dies, you know, y- you need to support, you know, uh, first of all, Ride or die, bitch. Because, yeah, it's really just supporting your friends. So I think it's not really strange. It's very much supportive. Um, but, uh, and I think you're going about it the right way. It's like, you know, like you're being a good friend. You're going, you know, going to the funeral to show support because, like, funerals aren't just about the person who, I mean, it's mainly about the person who died. But, like, it's also, like, going there to support, you know, the family and other friends, you know, and stuff like that. You know, because, like, when someone dies, it's not like just like everyone forgets. Like, you know, there, there will be people, people will come out of the woodworks, you know. So it, it's just good to be supportive. Uh, more people, you know, came to my dad's funeral for my mom. You know, all of her friends showed up, and it's mainly to be supportive. Like, you know, they didn't have like a friendship with my dad. There's just like their friend's husband, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I would suggest, you know, if you have a friend and like uh, they had a parent or grandparent die, it is – is always welcome to always go and try to show support and stuff like that. Um, make sure you show support in the way, you know, uh, the grieving are actually, you know, that's actually helpful. Not like, you know, some people are like, let me know if I can do any. I'm like, just leave me alone, <laughs> dude. Like my dad died. I don't want to fucking deal with you and shit like that. But like, you know, people send you nice, you know, people are nice things. So it's, it's good to be supportive. Just make sure you understand and read the room and stuff like that. And don't go, overboard like you're plant you're just like plant attending you know the burial the service or whatever you know and if it's like close family only you know just be respectful of that you know like you're being respectful you're being supportive you're doing great things you're a good person even if you didn't know the mom very well like it's it's your friend like you got to support your friend you know it's called uh, being a ride or die first of all ride or die bitch uh why whenever Apple comes out with something new, everybody talks about it like it's the next big thing, but when the other companies already had it, nobody makes made a big deal. So for example, I didn't even know the Quest was even a thing until recently whenever the Apple Vision Pro became front page news. It seems like when Apple does something, it gets more recognition. Is it because Apple usually waits and observes new technology and features to work out the quirks other companies face uh, companies face and perfect it. I do notice a lot of their features that people say Android had for years feel better integrated in iOS when it does come. This isn't a dig on Android either. I love both Android and iPhone. Phone wars are stupid. So yeah, um, from what I know about tech, because I keep up with tech because I work in music and especially recording and like tech really uh, influences how music is, you know, distributed, made, and everything in between. So like it's you always have to keep up with tech. Like I my degree is in music technology and I can probably say everything I learned a lot of the stuff I learned in school, I wouldn't say outdated, but like technology has advanced, you know, now. You know, like people don't necessarily use mix like control board mixers unless they're like like almost like 
like a more intelligent mouse, you know, usually because people can do it straight from their computer and have like the mixers and then you just move it with their mouth mouse or whatever, unless you need that fader thing. And then you figure it out, you know, you, you have to figure your shit out, you know, from there. And so I know about that. Um, one thing I've noticed about Apple is when Apple releases, you know, a product, like I'll think about like, uh, touch ID, you know, when you could use your thumbprint to, or fingerprint to open your phones, you know, back in those days, now that they just recognize with your face, basically, you know, I think Android phones did have it beforehand, but like the thing is like, it didn't work very well when Apple kind of, Apple waits until the very, like until they get it right. And there's no problems with it before they really integrate it into their tech. Uh, Android will do it because most of how these tech companies work, like, have you ever heard of anyone who's like, who says like, yeah, I had a tech startup and then we got bought and now I'm a millionaire. Basically companies like Apple, Google, and you know, Samsung and stuff like that. Basically it's like one little thing, like maybe let's pretend like it's the, uh, using your thumbprint to open, which probably has been tech around for a while, but how to integrate into a phone and like, you know, still be able to make a profit is also another thing. You know, too. So, like, when Apple did, I remember when Apple did, I was like, I hope this isn't fucking annoying, you know? Because I was used to always kept my phone, like, no password or whatever. And then they did that. I'm like, I'm just going to keep it locked now because this thumbprint's so easy, where probably Androids took a little bit to get it, you know? Uh, like, it's, it's it's stuff like that. It's like Apple waits until they get it right before they release it, and that's why when Apple does it, like, you know it's good. Because, like, Apple tries to make computers that are just very reliable, and, like, you don't have to mess around. You can just go in and get work done. Nowadays, like, I like having, like, a Mac for, like, you know, all my work stuff because I use Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro, and those are Mac exclusives or Apple programs and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm stuck on Mac for work, but then, like, if I'm just, like, learning games or whatever, I can think PCs are good, and then uh, I prefer iPhones over Androids, though I do have an Android I use as, a as like, a little emulator, a little game thing. But, uh, but yeah, so I think that's kind of what it is though um in regards to that and that's how uh that's why it's big news when apple does something but it's not that big of a deal when like another company has had this tech and been using tech like this for a long 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 period of time that's just you know uh i think that's just how it is i think if like android phones because i think android also has the whole like it's an open is it open source is that the right word uh open source, you know, like, uh, operating system. So like you can put it on like just cheap, crappy phones or whatever and stuff like that. So a little bit of a mix of matches. Um, and that's also another thing, like the iPhone, like you always know, like the new one, even if it has, even if it's little flaws or whatever, like it's, it'll be good. It'll survive you. It'll be, it'll be a good phone for you. Android phones, like unless you go like Samsung or maybe Sony, do they still make phones, you know, like the big name brands, like, you know, you get a decent quality product assuming, but like, you know, and there's like these cheap stuff. So a lot of, a lot of cool, a lot of cool tech talk that I know some Android PC users are going to leave a comment. So I'm excited for that. So, uh, that's my hole. That, that's where it spits. I saw my sister cheat on her boyfriend and now I'm stuck. My stepsister has been dating her boyfriend for about two and a half months while I've only met him twice and he seems nice, introverted, and treats her well. I recently witnessed a concerning situation. During a concert, a group of guys approached us and one of them seemed to hit it off with my sister uh, with her displaying flirty behavior. Later, I saw them in an intimate embrace and I'm unsure what happened during that the time they were alone. I feel the need to tell him about this, but I don't have have his contact information besides where he works and his hours, which makes me hesitant to approach him. I care about my sister, but I can't ignore what I saw. So 
here's this is this is good. This is a good question. And then here is some great life advice. I'm, I'm giving you guys great. Uh, this is all great life advice. I know what I am. I know what I'm about. Um, when you catch someone cheating on their partner, whatever the situation is, here is what you need to do because that puts you in a situation like. Do I tell him or do I not tell him? You know, because it puts you in that situation. And now, like, you know, you have to keep that secret. And, like, and you don't know, like, should, like, do you don't know the moral code? Like, should I tell him? Should I not tell him? It's my sister, too. Should I protect my sister? Should I do the right thing? I don't know what to do. Here's what you need to do in situations like that when you catch someone cheating and, like, you know, both parties in the situation. What you need to do. You need to confront your stepsister, tell tell her, like, hey, I saw that little intimate embrace you had, you know, or whatever you want to call it. And I really think if, like, it's not working out or whatever's going on in your relationship, like, you need to at least tell him about this situation, what happened, because uh, he, it's something that could really hurt him, and though I saw it, and I don't... And I'm not, I don't feel like I should be the one to tell him because you shouldn't, you shouldn't be the one to tell him. She needs to tell him. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, if like you just didn't care about people, it'd be like, you need to tell him you're cheating on him. Like, that's the situation. Like, I'll, I'm not going to tell him, but you need to tell him because this is bad about me. It's bad to me to keep this secret from him. That's the, that's how I would go about the situation because, um, she has to be the one to tell him like that. It has to be her. I think it needs to be her. It's their relationship. You shouldn't have to get involved with their relationship. It's their relationship. She has to be the one to tell him and you have to be like, Hey, you need to tell him about this or, you know, break up or whatever, if it's not working out for you because you need to do, cause you knew, you know, the thing about being a ride or die, first of all, ride or die bitch. is that, you know, you got, you got to embrace your ride or dies to do the right thing. And so you got to, confront her about doing the right thing or just, or you could even be in a situation where like, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do in your relationship, but you know, I saw that little intimate embrace you had there. Um, and I know you're dating someone. So, you know, you gotta, you, you need to do something about this, you know, like either tell him or break up with him or, you know, cause if it's not working out and you just want to fuck around, you need to do that instead of leading someone along like you are. That's, I think that's what you need to do. So all you need to do is talk to her about it and just, you know, even get her side or whatever's going on and stuff like that and tell her she needs to do the right thing. That's all I think you need to do. And, uh, yeah, and... Uh, Let's go full throttle. All right, we got finally on to our last question. How do you date without getting attached straight away? I'm 30 years old, back in the dating scene, and trying to a new approach. Instead of focusing... Focus Instead of focusing solely on one person, I want to casually meet people before committing. I've learned from past mistakes of investing too much in the wrong person and don't want to go through that again. I've worked on my confidence and feel ready to have fun. However, I tend to get attached quickly, despite recognizing red flags. I have rejection sensitivity and attachment issues and impact, and that impacts my dating life. Any any advice uh, with casual dating would be appreciated. Okay. Um... Yeah, um, I think the big thing you have to do is catch yourself before these things happen. Like, you know, I've, there's, you know, I meet girls all the time and I'd be like, she's the one, guys. I'm going to tell my mom about, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to marry her. You know, I'm just like, I'm going to go ahead and buy a ring. I'm like, we're not, we haven't talked to her, bud. Like, I, <laughs> like, you haven't talked to her yet. Go talk to her. See if she'd go like out with you and then like, see if you hit it off. Like, do, do that. And then, you know, you got to be casual about it. You know, you got to go, 
um, you're the lady in the situation. Uh, recognize the red flags. Like, look for the red flags and then decide to not get it. You might get a little attached and you have to break it. Yeah, and you got to make sure you know when to break it off because, uh, yeah, and rejection sensitivity, that's going to be rough. And attachment issues. Yeah, so um, it looks like you're working on that. So you need to make sure you're still working on that. And uh, if you're going to go on dates, just make sure go on dates for yourself and just, you know, get your, you know, get your vagina licked, you know? And, uh, yeah. And then eventually if you're like, I want to see this person again, and then you see him again. And then eventually, you know, eventually once you know, they're, they're, they're going full throttle, let's go full throttle. Then, uh, then you go full throttle, like maybe wait for them, you know, date casually. Don't get attached to anyone. Wait for them to get attached to you. Recognize that there's anything, any red flags with them. And then if there's none, then you have a then you have a date. And then if you don't, then then you can just get a cat or something. Um, Let's go full throttle. But yeah, that's uh, this episode of Cancel Sweezy, better known as the Lord's trademark favorite podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. My social medias are under Sweezy uh, at the Sweezy. Uh, so uh, my music under Sweezy as well. Uh, go check out my music over there. Cash App, PayPal. Uh, Patreon, all great ways to financially support us, and th- it's, a, it's a big thank you for all of you who do. Um, and don't forget all the free shit. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave us comments. Make sure you're uh, you like our episodes. Share them with your friends. Uh, get, write us reviews on Apple and Spotify, and leave us a star review too. Honky me like butt drugs, and uh, stay awesome. Believe it or not, Schweg is in at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Thank you for tuning in to Cancel Shweezy, the Lord's trademark favorite podcast, and joining me on this incredible journey. I hope you've enjoyed the valuable insights and engaging discussion I brought to your ears. To ensure you never miss an episode, hit that subscribe button now. By subscribing, you'll receive automatic updates whenever we release new content, keeping you in the loop with the latest episodes and topics. Subscribing not only guarantees that you'll never miss a beat, but also helps support our show. Your subscription plays a crucial role in helping us continue to bring you high-quality content and maintain our podcast growth. So whether you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or watching our YouTube channel, take a moment to click that subscribe button. Join our community of passionate listeners and be part of the journey. Personally, I appreciate your support, and together, we can make this podcast even better. So don't wait any longer. Hit that subscribe button now and stay connected with us. Thank you for being part of our podcast family.